Good morning, church. How is it after so many years we still have so long to go? We still have so far to go. You know, and with all due respect uh, to what we say is Dr. King's vision, it really wasn't his vision at all. It was God's vision. It's been God's vision for uh, ever since the beginning of time when, when God made it very clear that he created all of us in his image. Male and female, he created us, and he created us all, red and yellow, black and white, he created us all in his image. This is God's dream, it's God's vision, it's God's hope and desire for the world. That's, and as followers of Jesus Christ, that's what we do, right? We love others, we love God first, of course, and then we love others, and then we put it into practice. We don't just say that we love God and love others, but we take that and we live out this gospel life. That's the call. That's the dream. That's the vision. That's who we are because we belong to Jesus Christ. Well, I want to welcome you, every one of you, wherever you happen to be joining us around the world, from Germany, from Mexico, from Kenya, from Virginia, Maryland, North and South Carolina, Pennsylvania, Texas, Colorado, Michigan, Florida, and other places around the world. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, we are so glad that you are here. If you, uh, if you have a, a moment to check in, that would really be helpful to us. If you'll uh, look for the check-in box at the top of the page there and uh, click on that, let us know that you're present, as well as any prayer requests you have. We'll be praying for you and your prayer requests uh, this week. You know, we are in the third week of uh, 2021 of a brand new year, third week of our series, Things I Wish Jesus Never Said, Things I Wish Jesus Never Said. You know, the idea behind all of that is that uh, if, you've, if you've ever been reading through the scripture and came across a quote from Jesus and you think, oh, Mm, I wish he hadn't said that. Well, then you're in the right place because we're going to be examining numerous quotes from Jesus and uh, that we think, golly, I wish he hadn't said it quite like that. A couple of examples. Two weeks ago at the beginning of the series, we, uh, we learned that, that according to Jesus, that the forgiveness that you and I receive from God is based on our willingness to forgive someone who's offended us. Oh my goodness, how we wish he hadn't said that right. Because, you know, we are always wanting to receive forgiveness and we're kind of short on uh, wanting to forgive those who've offended us. And, you know, it would be so easy to chalk up that quote from Jesus as maybe Jesus just had a bad day, right? But unfortunately, he said it over and over and over again and other gospel writers picked up on it. So I just say, oh, I wish he hadn't said that. Last week, we uh, came across a scripture, uh, a quote from Jesus that said, if your right eye causes you to sin, what to do? Gouge it out? Oh my. If your, if your right hand causes you to sin, do what? Uh, cut it off? 
and throw it away. It's better to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. You know, what we learned last week is this. You know, sin is serious business, folks. It's just absolutely serious business. And that was the point that Jesus was trying to drive home. And he used a very common, very common teaching technique of the rabbis of that day, which was to make an, a, an, a, a kind of an absurd statement that related to what he was trying to teach to show just how serious his point truly is. That's what we've learned. And you know, here's the deal. Uh, the, the effects of sin are, are, are deadly to us. I mean, it can cause the loss of your, uh, of your marriage, the loss of your other relationships around you, the loss of your job, the loss of your income. It can cause the loss of your dignity and your integrity. And finally, if you continue in it, it will eventually take your soul it is deadly stuff. Now, as I said, I know that this is deadly serious. Sin is deadly serious. But gouge out your eye, cut off your, off your hand. Well, I kind of wish Jesus hadn't said it quite like that. Well, today we come to another quote that Jesus said uh, right out of the Sermon on the Mount. You know, the last two that we just talked about, the forgiveness stuff, the, uh, uh, the, 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 the gouging out your eye and cutting off your hand, all out of the Sermon on the Mount. Today's uh, quote is also out of the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, it, is, uh, it is one that's found in Matthew 7. And uh, as I read it, I kind of wish Jesus hadn't said it quite like that. Here it is. Are you ready? Matthew 7, it's beginning in verse 1. It says this, do not judge others and you will not be judged, for you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. Uh-oh. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log on your own? And how can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. First, get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you'll see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. They will trample the pearls, then turn and attack you. All right, that's God's word for us. We've got to figure out what in the world are we going to do with it. Let me, let me tell you a, a quick story I heard this week. Uh, on the playground one day, there was a little boy named Tommy. Tommy uh, really enjoyed taunting the other kids. He was, he was kind of a bully on the playground. And uh, little Tommy, one of the ways he used to taunt the kids is he would, he, his favorite way, I think, was to make faces, ugly faces at the kids. It would drive the other kids nuts. Well, the, uh, his teacher, Mrs. Smith, on the playground with him happened to see Tommy making those faces, and she called him over to him and said, look, Tommy, you know, uh, when I, you got to stop this. When I was a, when I was a little girl, they used to tell me that, that 
if I made ugly faces, that my, my face would freeze and stay that way forever. And Tommy looked up and, into his teacher's face, and he was frightened. And he, he said, Miss Smith, Miss Smith, I'm so sorry. I will never, ever, ever do it again. I don't want what happened to you to happen to me. There you go. You know what we're talking about today? <laughs> Judging. That's it. That's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about judging. You know, there are people in this world who know absolutely nothing about Jesus and know absolutely nothing about Christianity, but there is one thing that these people who know nothing about Jesus and nothing about Christianity, uh, there's one thing, one phrase that they can all quote. You know what that is? You know what that phrase is? Well, that's right. It says, do not judge or you too will be judged. They know that. They know he said that, but they know absolutely nothing else about Jesus, nothing else about our faith, but they can sure quote that scripture. They may not know anything else, but they know that one. And the reason is simple. You know, our, we live in a culture, we live in a society that is really... Uh, all wrapped up in this idea of judgment. Don't judge me. Don't judge me, we say. Don't judge me. You don't know me. Don't judge me. We say that all the time. In fact, all you got to do is go to Facebook. My goodness, just, just open your feed. Go to Facebook and you will find quote after quote after quote after quote of what people have put up on their Facebook page about judgment. In fact, one we all know, I saw this recently, was from George Eliot. What does it say? It says, don't judge a book by its cover. There we go. There's a statement right there. But look at the next one. Go to the next one. Only God can judge me, Tupac. He's the one who said that, and I imagine he knows that now. But only God can judge me by Tupac. Look at the next one. Don't judge me because I sin differently uh, from you. Don't judge me because I sin differently from you. You know, folks, all you got to do is look at Facebook. You'll find those quotes and many, many others on people's Facebook pages. Matter of fact, even God got in on it, not through Facebook, but on his book. And look at the next. Here's the scripture right here. It is, people judge others by what they look like. But I judge people by what is where? In their hearts, right? He, say, he says, people judge others by what they look like. And I guess we do, don't we? I mean, I, I think most everybody does. But I judge people by what is in their hearts, right there. So why in the world would this, this, this the, 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 all of this judgment stuff why would it be so universally disliked? Why would even God get in on this? Look, you judge people by what they look like. I judge people by what's in their hearts. Why would God get in on this? Because I think it's because everybody does it. Everybody does it. We're, we all make these judgment calls. Everybody does it. Most everybody judges someone else at one time or another in their lives. You know, there was, there is, uh, there are certain things that you remember where you were. You know, uh, 
You probably, you, you, if you're old enough, you remember when the space shuttle blew up, right? All right. You knew where you were when you heard the news. If you're old enough, you know exactly where you were when you heard planes went into the World Trade Center and into the Pentagon, 9-11. You know where you were when you got the news. Well, for some of us, we also know exactly where we were when this happened. Hello. Hi. How are you? Hi. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. William. Yes. How are you doing today? Oh, great. Thank you. William, why are you here? I'm, I'm here for an opportunity to sing to America. Because you think you could be the next? American Idol. Absolutely. Why? Because I'm singing from my heart. I'm, I, I may not be the best singer uh, um, around the world, but I know that I, I sing from my heart and I, I put every bit of energy into it. Okay. All right, let's go. All right. Talk to me, tell me your name. You blow me off like it's all the same. Oh, baby, when she moves, she moves. I go crazy because she looks like a flop, but she stings like a bee. Like every girl in history. She bangs, she bangs. Thank I'm you. wasted by the way Thank she... Thank you. William, you did put everything <laughs> you had into that. You did, and I love that. I love that you did that. I didn't. I do. I, I love that he put every bit he had into it. Well, I didn't. William, it's one of actually the worst auditions we've had this year, if I'm being honest. Mm. Seriously. Mm. I mean, everything mm. about it was grotesque. Oh, stop oh, it. Not grotesque. It was. Come stop on. it. Uh, I told you, if, if, you if, if you know anything about American Idol, you know where you were when William Hung got up there up on stage. Now, let me just say, you know, we judge people all the time, right? I mean, isn't that an entire show about judgment? You know, in some way, shape, some way, some form, we are making opinions on what it is that we see or what it is that is shown to us, right? We make opinions. We, we form opinions about that. We make some judgment calls. Now, here's the deal, folks. You know, kids, let me just respond to you, kids. You know, uh, how many of you... Uh, think your parents are old-fashioned because they give you some rules and regulations and, and a, a, a set of standards that you got to live by, and yet the one thing that you had to do was to take care of the pet goldfish. That was the only thing that you had to do, and you failed miserably and ended up having to flush it down the toilet. Let me say to, to you kids or to teenagers, you know, how many of you think, you, you know, your parents are just so old and boring and silly because they repeat themselves every now and again, but yet you don't think anything of repeating a line from one TV show or one movie over and over and over and over and over again. You know, folks, listen. We make all kinds of judgments all the time. You know, have you ever jumped to conclusions or assumed something about someone based on half-truths and rumors? I mean, have you ever done it? I imagine you have. You know, uh, and then maybe you learn later that you didn't have all the information and 
and how foolish you really felt by making that kind of judgment call. You know, in my experience, the people who are the most judgmental are the very people who most often tell others not to judge them. My experience, how many of you have been judged on rumors and half-truths? How many of you have been judged on the way you look or what you've worn? How many of you have been judged on... uh, have been judged when people really didn't know you or they just didn't have all the facts. But let me ask this question to you. How many of you have done the exact same thing to somebody else? I mean, that's where it really stings, right? how many times have you done the exact same thing that has hurt you so bad when somebody did it to you? How many times have you done it to somebody else? Now, it's a fact. We all make judgment calls all the time. You know, we get mad at the person driving too slowly in front of us, yet we don't know if that person is a, is a brand new driver and just learning how to drive. We, are, we don't know if that person has some uh, physical limitations that, that uh, are keeping them uh, from going as fast as you want to go. Or how many, how many times do we prejudge people on the basis of the home they live in or, or the way they talk or the way or where they happen to be from. And all of this prejudging is simply prejudice. That's what it is. Prejudging is prejudice. That's right. And Jesus had some very strong words to say about it right there in the Sermon on the Mount. It's a familiar passage to many, including many non-believers, and uh, it's often completely misunderstood and misinterpreted, and so today, what we're going to do is we're going to do our very best to get exactly at the heart of what Jesus meant when he said, don't judge lest you be judged. That's what we're going to do, because if you just leave it at face value, It's really easy to say, gosh, I wish he hadn't said that. So here we go. Here's what you you and I need to know. I hope you're going to write it down because this is one of these passages, by the way, that, that come up over and over and over again. You need to know what it means. You need to know what Jesus was getting at. You need to know what it is all about when you hear somebody talk about it. Here's the first one. You got to guard against developing a critical attitude. Guard against developing a critical attitude. Do you hear me? I'm going to say it again. Guard against developing a critical attitude. This is at the heart of what Jesus was talking about. Guard against developing a critical attitude. Here it is. Do not judge others or you will, uh, and you will not be judged, for you will be treated 
as you treat others. Do you hear that? You'll be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. So Jesus begins by saying, do not judge and you will, uh, do not judge others and you will not be judged. Okay, so here, here's my question to you. What does the word judge mean? What does it mean? Is Jesus saying, you know, hey, don't make any uh, kind of judgments of any kind. Is that what he's talking about? That you and I are prohibited and forbidden of making any kind of judgments of any kind. And look, are we to ignore those uh, others who are endangering themselves or others? Are we simply to ignore their actions and ignore what they do? Is that what he means? Well, of course not. That is not what he's talking about. I'm telling you, this scripture is so often misunderstood and mischaracterized by people who throw it around all the time. Jesus is not saying you can't make judgment calls. That's not what he's talking about. He's not saying that you ignore when uh, people are, uh, are, are endangering themselves or others. Of course he isn't. If I see somebody who is clearly drunk and stumbling out of a bar and fumbling with his keys, do I have any kind of, of, uh, of responsibility to either call the guy a cab, get back and go into the bar and get the bartender or the management out there uh, with them or to even uh, call the police? Do I have some kind of responsibility? Because I am truly making a judgment call you know I mean, I, I, I haven't asked the guy to, to, uh, to, to blow into a, a blood alcohol reader, so I don't have the fact that he's drunk, but I can see him stumbling out of the bar, clearly disoriented, fumbling with the keys and getting ready to get in his car. So what do I do? Do I, do I completely ignore all that? You know, if, if I have somebody that I love that, that is... Uh, uh, addicted to drugs? Do I just say, oh, well, let's just live and let live here, you know, even though that behavior may actually be destroying this individual's life? Do I have any responsibility whatsoever? Well, you know, what if I ignore it? You know what I'm doing, actually? What I'm doing is I'm doing the very opposite thing that Jesus said not to do. You know, there are times when it is right to make a judgment, but here's the thing, I need to use discernment and wisdom in all situations. That's what Jesus was talking about. We all make judgments, but he's talking about the kind of judgmental, prejudicial, critical attitudes that we develop and put on to other people. That's why he tells us over and over again, you know, we got to guard against developing a critical attitude. Jesus is talking about the attitude that that sometimes we develop with people when we put ourselves in the place of God, we become the judge, we become the jury, we become, uh, we, we, we convict people in our own heart, in our own mind, we convict them even when we do not have all of the evidence, even when we don't have all of the clear picture. That's what he's talking about. That's the kind of judgment call Jesus said, look, don't get into that. 
Don't, don't, be put, don't be making judgment calls as judge and jury on other people when you don't have all the facts, when you don't have all the evidence, when you don't have all the picture. You need to be really, really, really careful about that. Only God possesses that. That's why God, he said, he said people look at the outside, remember? People look at the outside, but I, that is God, look at what's in the What's in the heart? That's right. Only God's got the full picture. And when we judge someone based upon our incomplete picture, you and I, we have taken the place of God. Yep. So when we jump to conclusions, when we condemn other people, that is without hearing their side of the story, when we develop a attitude toward a person based upon only our very limited experience with them, then we put ourselves in the place of God, and that's exactly what Jesus condemns. Hear me clearly, only God has the big picture. Only God knows all the facts. He, only he knows the history, circumstances, the feelings, the struggles that must have entered a person's action or attitudes. And when we judge them based upon only what we see, then we have put ourselves in the place of God. And notice how Jesus put it. Look here at Matthew 7, 2. Check it out. It says this. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. Yeah. Instead, what are we to be doing? You and I, we are to be motivated by love, folks. That's what it that's what he, he's talk, talking to us about here. Love believes the best. Love forgives. Love is long-suffering. Love bears up under the wrongs. Love is gracious and kind and patient. And you know what? Listen to me. That's exactly how God is to you. That's exactly how God is to you. God is gracious, God is kind, God is patient, God is not quick to condemn. That's how he is to you. How is it that we can't be, you and I can't be like that to others? We're so quick to condemn. You know, here we are in the, uh, most of us, many of us here are in the United States and I will say this, I think judging in our day and our time and our culture is America's pastime. You know, they say Wheel of Fortune is America's game. Uh-uh. No, it's judging others. That's what we do. And we place ourselves in the position of judge and jury on someone when the exact opposite is the way God treats you. We got to do something different, folks. We got to work at believing the best about others, giving people the benefit of the doubt, resist reacting without the facts, and make sure we're listening to all sides. And then, and only then, we need, if we come up with a, an opinion, it best be based on mercy, it best be based on grace and forgiveness. What God's trying to tell you is guard against developing a critical attitude. Absolutely critical. Here's the next one. Here's what he's telling us. Deal with your own sin first. I got to deal with my own sin first. I got to deal with what's in my eye first 
before I start making judgment calls on someone else. Check this out. Matthew 3, uh, verses 3, uh, excuse me, 7, verses 3 to 5 says this. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? And how can you think of saying to your friend, uh, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. First, get rid of the log in your own eye, then you'll be able to see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Again, that's Matthew 7, verses 3 to 5. In other words, what is God calling us to do? Matter of fact, I think we need to say it together. Deal with my own sin first. Let's say it. I didn't hear it. Let's say it. Deal with my own sin first. That is what we need to deal with right away. You know, Jesus displays a great sense of humor here, portraying a uh, pretty absurd picture of a man with a two-by-four sticking out of his eye, you know, and the man completely ignores it. He's got a two-by-four sticking out of his eye, and the guy completely ignores this log. He's not even aware he has this monster sticking out of, uh, of his eye for the entire world to see. He's focused only on the, the, the splinter that is in his friend's eye, in the corner of the friend's eye. You know, uh, once upon a time in a land far, far away before COVID, you know, people used to travel. And they used to travel on a, on, a, on a big metal thing called an airplane. Well, when that was happening once upon a time, there was a, a lady who was traveling to, uh, to somewhere and a gentleman who was traveling somewhere. They were completely uh, separate from one another. And uh, they had gone into the uh, convenience store to purchase a couple of little items, including a little package of cookies. And so the lady sat down, and then uh, a little while later, a gentleman sat down, keeping a seat between them. And he reached down, and he opened a package of cookies, and he took one and ate it. Well, the lady just couldn't believe, the woman sitting next to him couldn't believe that he was eating these cookies. And so she reached down and picked up a cookie and she ate it. He looked over at her and he picked up a cookie and he ate it. And so she picked up a cookie and, and she ate it. And it went on and on and on until there was one cookie left. He reached down and got it and broke it in half, handed her the other half, he ate it, and then he got up and left to go to his plane. The woman was beside herself. How could this have happened? What, what was she going, what, what did she need to do? Because he was clearly eating her cookies. Well, they called her plane. She got up, she went, sat down on the plane, and she opened up her pocketbook, and there was her package of cookies inside her pocketbook. You know, Sometimes we just don't see ourselves very clearly. We can have a distorted picture of who we are, of how we act, of what we do. You know, and in this scripture that Jesus talks to us about, did you notice that both guys had a problem? That wasn't just the one with the two by four, right? Both guys had a problem. 
What was the problem? That both of them had some wood in their eyes, right? One happened to have a two by four. The other happened to have a, 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 a splinter. But for whatever reason, they both had that wood in their eyes. And the reality is, then they both needed help. They may not have known where the, where the pain was coming from, but their vision was hindered. They, they didn't know why it was hindered, but it was hindered nevertheless. They could use some help getting that wood out of their eyes. Now, what else I want you to notice, that neither one of these guys was aware of their problem. Both of them had some wood in their eyes, but neither one of them were aware of their problem. They may have felt the pain of the wood in their eye, but they didn't know why they were in pain, nor did they know how to fix it. Now, let me be clear. Jesus is all for these two guys getting the help they need to get the splinter or the log out of each other's eye. Jesus is all for them getting the help they need, but not with a holier-than-thou attitude. Do you hear me? He's all for getting those guys help, but not with a holier-than-thou attitude. You see, the first thing that needs to happen, ladies and gentlemen, is this. Some self-examination has got to occur. Some self-examination has got to occur. What do I mean by that? Folks, listen to me. You and I, we're all the same. You and I, we're in the same boat. You and I, well, we've got the same problem. What is it? That we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, right? That means that both you and I, we're sinners. We are sinners. We may be, we're saved by grace, absolutely. But you and I are sinners. We've got sin in our lives. We fall short of the glory of God. We have all got some some two-by-fours sticking out of our own eyes. That's the point Jesus is making here. You know, not only do we need to guard against these critical attitudes, but folks, we got to deal with our own sin, our own two-by-fours, before we can start messing with others. We've all got a two-by-four sticking out of our eyes. And so what do I mean? we gotta, we got to search our hearts we got to do some self-examination. We've got to look at our own self. We've got to take a good, long, hard look in, our, in the mirror to search our heart for sin, to repent of that sin, to confess any known sin. We need to attempt to change. We need to attempt to grow. We need to, we need to do our very best to see ourselves clearly in the light of the God's Word and the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what we've got to do. Then and only then will be, we be in a position to talk about the sin in, in somebody else's life or the, or the speck or the splinter they have in their own eyes. But you know, here's what's so sad. It just is sad. We're a sad lot of people, folks, because so often... We do just the opposite. We, we don't do the self-examination. We, we're much better at examining the lives of others, right? We're much better at that. We're much more willing to do that. We're much more willing to point out somebody else's sin rather than to look inward to see what we've got going on in our own heart, in our own life. And you know what that does? It builds enemies. 
It makes you nothing more than a hypocrite because you're pointing out somebody else's sin when you haven't even looked at your own or admitted that you have it. You see, folks, what ends up happening is it, it, it makes enemies of one another. And we do this not only on an individual basis, but so often we do this on whole classes of people. We will condemn an entire class of people because they're different than we are. Because we think that they are different enough from us that they must be wrong. We will, we will be the first to make these judgment calls where it places ourselves as judge and jury over an entire group of people. And God says, look, you got to stop that stuff. You got the two by four in your own eye. When are you going to deal with that? That's what Jesus wants to know. When are you going to deal with that? Because once you've dealt with that, and you come to a place of genuine humility. You come to a place of, of, uh, of complete examination. And now you are humbled in the sight of God. And all you want is the very best for someone else. That is the moment that you can begin having a humble, genuine, respectful conversation with someone else. So let me just ask you, have you been sitting in judgment over someone? Have you been making these judgment calls? Have you been condemning individuals or entire groups of people based on half-truths, rumors, when you have not the entire picture? All that does, let me tell you, let me just say it this way. What you're doing is you're cont contributing to the divide you're contributing to the divide that continues to push this country further and further and further and further apart. We got to get a hold of this, folks. We've got to take this stuff seriously. And you know why I wish Jesus hadn't said it? It's because it's convicting. You know, when we get into this, when we say, well, I wish Jesus hadn't said it quite like that, it's because it's so convicting. You know, I wish he hadn't said it because it, it, it's convicting to me. It's got to be convicting to you because we are all in the same boat. We've got to deal with this stuff. You know, folks, there are times when your good intentions can have absolutely the opposite effect. And the reason why is because you've not yet dealt with the two by four that's sticking out of your own eye. Let me get on to the last point right here, and, uh, and that is this. You got to pray for the right time to speak truth in love. You need to pray for the right time to speak truth in love. That is, if you've guarded against your, your uh, critical attitude, if you have dealt with your own sin first, that is, you've made that critical self-examination of your own life to deal with the two-by-four sticking out of your own eye, then you pray for the right time to speak the truth in love. You know, I have met people in my, in my life, keep that up there, don't take that away, I have met people in my life who 
who say, I have, the, I, I, I have the spiritual gift of speaking the truth in love, and then they just start blurting out whatever it is that's on their heart and on their mind. And usually it's about not about their own behavior, not speaking the truth about their own behavior, but speaking the truth about something they've seen in me. You know, I, I have a problem with that, particularly if, number one, if I, if I don't know them, if I don't know that they care about me, if I don't know that they are genuine. Let me tell you, they, you need to do all of this within the context of relationship. You need to speak the truth in love, but you've got to do it in the context of relationship. So I will say, is there ever a time to talk to somebody about a problem? Well, sure. How, can, is it possible to confront somebody without being prejudicial and judgmental and critical? Well, sure it is. You know, parents, have, if you found that your uh, kid is involved in some kind of illegal or destructive activity, do you really love them if you do nothing about it? You know, you think about that. If your friend is behaving in a way that will have negative consequence on his or her health or marriage, relationships, integrity, are you really a friend if you do nothing? But you got to do something, but you got you to pray for the right time to speak the truth in love. You know, here's the point that Jesus is trying to make, that we have got to exercise wisdom and discernment when we confront others with the truth. Wisdom, godly wisdom, godly discernment. Before we do anything, we've got to be in prayer. We've got to pray for ourselves. We've got to pray for the hearer. We need to pray for the exact right time that God will open the door so that person will be able to hear. And this has always got to be done in a spirit of humility, and even then, folks, let me tell you, you better have the, your facts straight. You need to have your facts straight before you speak the truth, even in love. You know, folks, uh, you got to remember that what Jesus calls us to do is, is to guard against being that critical individual who is always judgmental and prejudicial. You gotta jar, guard against that, that critical attitude. You need to pray for the full armor of God, that God will wrap you in his armor so that Satan is not whispering in your ear and helping you to develop that critical attitude. Because let me tell you, that critical attitude is not of God. Do you hear me? I'm gonna say it again. That critical attitude I'm talking about, that judgmental, prejudicial attitude is not of God. And then you need to deal with your own sin first. And then you need to pray for the right time to speak truth in love. That's what Jesus was talking about when he said, do not judge lest you too be judged. Let's pray together. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for 
the privilege we have to deal with such a difficult topic. And we know, Lord, that this stuff isn't easy. But we need to be the people you are calling us to be. We need to be those who recognize that, look, we've got a two-by-four sticking out of our own eye. We need to deal with that. We need to have that self-examination to guard against developing a a critical attitude. We need to deal with our own stuff and pray for the right time to speak to others this truth and love. So God, forgive us of the times that that we make these blanket statements about groups of people when we don't when we don't have all the facts and are making comments that are simply not godly. God, help us to remember that you are our creator and you have created each and every one of us in your image. And Lord, when we, when we see those that we care about that are, that are making poor decisions, we pray, Heavenly Father, that, that we may be able to, to have a conversation with someone in a way that is loving and genuinely respectful. And in a way, Lord, that truly does speak truth and love after we've examined our own heart and examined our own lives. Thank you so much, God, that you have given us, that you've given us a way to deal with these things. And yet, to do so in a way that is truly loving and genuinely respectful. Thank you so much, God. We ask all of this in the holy and precious and matchless name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Amen.